With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Yes, sir. All right. We all be other than one from the hell, only one and only who is truly beyond category, Judge Joe Brown. How you doing tonight, sir? All right, young man. How about yourself? I'm doing. I can't complain. This weather's kind of interesting, but I'm looking forward to the spring. So well, ups and downs. It's February, March. You know, global warming is a myth. They say. What can I say? <laughs> you know, <laughs> ain't supposed to be like this. Mm-hmm. We used to be part of nature. Now we've become a force of nature. So. Whoop de doo. Anyway, what can I do you for this evening? Hey, I want to ask you about a couple of things in the news cycle, but first and foremost, I want to ask you, have you seen the movie Get Out yet, by any chance? No, I haven't. Have you heard about it? I've heard about it. So what's your thoughts about what you heard? Well, I'd have to see it, but you know, they're showing it down at the Paradiso on a lot of screens down there. I went through to see something else. Uh, I am not your Negro. Well, we just talked about that one, then. Can you tell us a little uh, bit about yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, I like action adventure. I like lots of gratuitous killing. I'm a little tired at this point in life about the trials and travails of Negroes and other assorted folks, so give me a little adventure. Uh, the thing I'm not your Negro is more in the form of a, what should I say, documentary. Mm-hmm. So out of respect, I'll go see that. But, you know, uh, when times get hard for the studios, they put out a movie that features black folk, now black folk loving on white folk and caught up in a drama with white folk, and they build up profits. Mm-hmm. So I'm not disposed to bail them out. I'll wait till I see somebody that hear from somebody I know that saw the movie and tells me they liked it. Yeah, okay. Some of them I've seen, like Selma was a joke. Mm-hmm. You know, other stuff like that, Tyler Perry stuff, you know, it's kind of sort of... Same old, same old, step and fetch it with a new face type stuff, or black exploitation, 21st century edition. Hey, you know. That's a, yeah, and, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't have any identity crisis that I need reinforcement on. And stuff like 12 Years a Slave, I want to puke on something like that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh-huh. Go ahead. 
I would actually was intro you brought twelve years a slave and I don't know if you check out the Oscars or not, but uh the best picture of the no, year was the Yeah, well the best picture of the year was the Moonlight, the same people who did Twelve Years a Slave, uh Brad Pitt's Plan B company, they did Moonlight. Yeah, whose boyfriend was behind it. It's got girlfriends or boyfriends on the Oscar board. I don't even watch that stuff. After they gave Hurt Locker the best picture of the year over Avatar, I just said it's a joke. I've been nominated for Emmys three or four times when I had my show. Hell, one time I lost out to the Peanuts floating the Macy's Parade. <laughs> Another time they 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 had a boyfriend boyfriend situation going and. I lost out to a show that only was on for six weeks before it got canceled. So, you know, it's all politics within that group. Yeah, definitely. And also, I feel you on the action adventure tip because I really did enjoy John Wick's uh, part two, chapter two. That was pretty good. Yeah, and that also, should have been nominated for an Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> but I tell you, so another movie that was pretty good that people got to give him props for props to do. Is uh, Mel Gibson's Hacksaw Ridge. That was a good movie. That was an excellent movie. Yeah, it was all right, too. Yeah, so... Well, well, my idea is, like, what is this thing? Cause I know you talked about the the, uh, the agenda in Hollywood, the gay agenda. Uh, what do you think about the Disney backlash with uh, the Beauty and the Beast, uh, the well, homosexual character thing? You know, they slip this stuff in. Go to the LGBT website, and they congratulate each other on putting stuff in. I'm not against homosexuality. Do what you want to do behind your closed doors. What I don't like is, it's like I was, just when I got through eating, where I got through eating, they've got a waiter in there, and he's got a high-pitched girlish voice, okay? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I assume he's straight, but I mean, you're not looking, and you hear what sounds to be a woman, so you respond that way, and it goes, "Okay, this is this is not a woman. Excuse me, son. Uh, I meant sir, not ma'am. You know, and you want to tell him to put some bass in his voice? He can't help it. Right. I guess, but you know, that's kind of." Uh, you know, Mother Nature's been working for four billion years, so you see out of the corner of your eye something moving like it's a girl. You want to go look, and then you say, oh, that's not a girl. It's kind of, you know, just because you're gay, you don't have to try to act like that. See, out there in Hollywood, I know gays would get off the elevator because somebody got on there looking too gay, okay? Mm-hmm. So if you're talking about sexual practices, that's one thing. If you're talking about a lifestyle and value systems uh, worldview, that's a different kind of thing. See, it's like I was in a restaurant another day, family-type thing, buffet thing, and this kid threw a plate at his mother and then went and got something off the buffet and threw that at her too. So my reaction is, wow, the kid's still breathing. And to some other people, one might want to make a comment of, well, the child's got to express themselves. So, see, that kind of stupid social outlook, 
you know, goes along with some of the things that crowd is pushing. It's not their sexual practices. It's what they're doing in terms of you destroy the value system because you don't like it because you got excluded from it. Well, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. That's like, as black folk, we didn't exactly get treated right under this, in our history in this country. Still aren't, really. But there's no need to throw the Constitution out because as it goes in the scheme of things in human history, it's a pretty decent document, all right? Mm-hmm. It's a system, it's a plan, but the people that run it sometimes are too cool, are too wise, or have a bad agenda. But the plan itself is not bad, but just because you had some bad experiences with people running it, you don't need to throw it out. Well, have your sex the way you want to have it. That's your business. But you don't need to throw out the plan for the rest of us. You know what I'm saying? So uh, they have that thing where they have a lifestyle. They're anti-war. They they had a campaign going out there where they were trying to get the action stars and the type of movie I like to look at to apologize for being in that type of movie. Now, some of the action stars had the gumption to tell them to go to hell, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, They always give the Oscars to some tearjerker or some high drama. They never give it an action adventure unless they're friends in it, like what was it, uh, Mad Max's Thunder Road, and it had a lot of action in it, but it was so dull in terms of plot. It was one of the most boring movies I'd seen in a long time. You know, it isn't just about folk jumping around and shooting at each other. There's got to be, there's supposed to be some kind of point to it. So Hollywood misses out on that. I, I want a big bet, uh, about ten, fifteen thousand dollars with some of these executives that I could pick which ones of their productions were gonna be box office hits and which were gonna be flops. I picked every single one of them. They didn't know how I did it. The secret was just simply a story whether you're talking about caveman the shaman out there by the bonfire, you're talking about Greco Roman plays or dramas, you're talking about Shakespeare or a John Wayne movie or any other thing you're talking about, there's supposed to be a point to it, and it has something to say about human nature. And they have a habit of just putting nihilistic stuff out there that, oh, my God, the lighting was so fantastic. So what? It was a lousy story. Right. You know, oh, my God, the acting. That was acting? Oh, come on. That was kind of weak. Or, oh, my God, in the case of Hurt Locker, uh, the producer, director, etc., writer for Hurt Locker was the ex-wife of Cameroon. Cameroon came up with Titanic and Avatar, the two highest draws ever in movie history. Cameroon came into Hollywood at an angle. He was a an oceanographer who did documentaries. He did work for the U.S. Navy, and as a matter of fact, he discovered the real Titanic wreck because that was cover for for a sunken Russian submarine for the Navy. Mm -hmm. And 
he is a real world guy. He's been down deeper in the ocean in one of these deep diving submersibles more deeply than all but two men in human history. He's been down 30-some thousand feet in the Marianas Trench, and the record's 36,000. Two Navy people did it back in 1960. So he's a real guy, okay? Well, they don't like him that much in Hollywood because he's not part of them. So his wife broke up from him, and Hurt Locker, the movie that was up against Avatar, went to DVD after three or four days. A lousy movie. I like war movies, but that one was a piss-poor war movie. It was just awful. Details are wrong. Facts are wrong. Crazy. You know, it wasn't exciting anything else. It was just like, oh, come on. What's wrong with you? And they gave the best picture of the year to her. And it had no box office versus all-time champion box office movie. But guess what? She came out the closet and went the L word side, so they rewarded her. See, the Oscars, since we're talking about that, came out way back when, because before television hit big, color TV, you'd go to a movie and you'd pay your... 25 cents, your 50 cents, uh, no more than a dollar, and you walk in whenever you got there. Sit halfway through the first movie you walked in on, saw three cartoons and a mini feature, and then you saw the second movie. Then you sat through the part of the first one you missed and then go about your business or see the whole thing again. Well, the movies changed on Thursday. They had a new two movies every Thursday, and then Sunday they had two movies. So... Usually it was the same studio, so that's four movies a week. And what's that work out? That, that's, that's almost 150, 200 movies a year that the studio had to crank out. Well, they changed the format. But before they did, the Oscars would come before most of these movies actually hit the screen for people to go pay their money to see. So they were giving people guidance uh, on what the movie was about. But nowadays, the movie, like Hurt Locker, went to DVD after three or four days, lost money big time, and nobody cares because it's coming on, but they decided to award their friends. The other one, for example, I think of was, what was it, Moulin Rouge. They couldn't sing. They couldn't dance. The plot was crap. The acting, you know, even if they were good actors, it was poor, and it won all these Oscars. So I said, oh, come on. And see, when they talk about all that, it takes, it, they got eight nominations, 11 nominations. There's 35,000 people that are entitled to nominate something. It only takes one person in a second. Right. So it's just front off for the public. They make a big to-do out of it. It is boring. The comedians are constrained with what they do, and then they'll get a comedian in there like Ellen DeGeneres who bores the crap out of me. I don't like the woman. And, uh, you know, her shows fail all the time, but because she's a poster child, uh, they give her two or three shows a year, even though each of them got canceled for low ratings. But, see, they say she's a superstar, but her ratings are poor. So it's a game they play with the public, and they want you to watch stuff particularly where they've got an agenda that they're trying to push that's got nothing to do with basic entertainment. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's case in point this year, the, the Moonlight movie won, uh, directed by a black director, written by a, a openly gay playwright who won the Oscar Genius Award this year, or last year, a black guy from Miami. And it didn't do hardly any box office. I mean, La La Land had a box office. But they took it from La La Land and gave it to Moonlight. But in the, in the, in the story, they're using the African-American experience to talk about sexuality, talking about this boy coming of age as a quote-unquote homosexual in the uh, the ghettos of uh, Miami. And I just want to take on Nick. I saw Moonlight. I actually saw it last week. I, it was I, I don't see a movie like that. that that's, that's not my kind of thing, you know. Right. Hey, everybody's got their story, so, you know, there are a lot more deserving subjects to make movies out of, you know. Mm-hmm. You want to make one, make one a General Colin Powell or something, you know. Uh, do something on Usain Bolt if you want to put an athlete in there. Talk about Michael Jordan or Magic Johnson going through college playing ball so they could get the college education playing pro, not just to play brawl, but to get a stake so they could start businesses, which is why they went through college anyway. You see, talk mm-hmm. to somebody like that. Uh, come talk to me. You want to do something, let's get to the bottom of what happened to Martin Luther King. Hey, James Earl Wade didn't kill him. So let's deal with the implications of who did. You see, they do all kinds of little lightweight crap they do in the public does not understand reality. It's kind of this thing. I've said there are five things that you need to keep in mind if you want to understand how this game works. Julius Caesar said a long time ago, give them bread of circuses and, and, and circuses. In other words, feed them and entertain them, and the ordinary man won't care what you do. Well, All right? Uh, Machiavelli said give them a chance uh, to become part of the oppressing class, and they will submit and support the worst oppressions. The Republican Party deals with that with their rank and file. They go for stuff under the idea that I'll win the lottery and get $400 million week after next, you know, so I'll be part of the fat cats too. So I will support getting ripped off, you know. Mm-hmm. Guys talking about, uh, you know, creeping socialism and socialized medicine, and he's missing four teeth walking with a limp and in bad health. Crazy. And then... Um, Hitler came up with this one, tell a lie long enough, loud enough, you can get anybody to believe it. Now, my little addition is the current media is not about informing It's about entertaining you. So news is only something to use for entertainment rather than trying to deliver fact. Mm-hmm. Then you get into Abraham Lincoln's thing, you know, you can fool most of the people, most of the time, some of the people, all of the time. But thankfully, you can't prove, you can't fool all of the people all of the time. So that's what you've got to go through is somebody's got to come along every now and then putting some reality out there so you don't deal with all of the time. Everybody gets fooled. But they have some stuff out there. It's like this big fear over Obamacare. Have you noticed some of these Republicans are having second thoughts about it? That's because they found out that Obamacare is not Barack Obama. It was Republican senior citizen, a senator from the state of Tennessee, Dr. Bill Frist, 
who was Senate Majority Leader for the Republican Party up until 2007. And why is that important? Well, he wrote it. Why did he write it? Conflict of interest, I'd say, because his family founded Blue Cross, Blue Shield, and most of these HMOs. They're making a bundle off of that thing. So the rank and file would not have gone with it, but the fat cat Republicans who run things pushed it. So now some of them who have been talking loud about getting rid of it are finding out, hey, it's our guys that did this. And see, the Democrats are running around, rah, 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 uh, we love Obamacare, and they aren't senior citizens who get ripped off every time you have to go into a pharmacy or a doctor's office and these insurance companies who just got, uh, uh, you know, a uh, windfall dumped in their laps by Obamacare, you know, they don't have to deal with, okay, I'm paying my insurance premium, and every time I go in, Blue Cross is trying to jack me up to force me to go to Medicare, and then they want me to pay a premium still to them for Part A and Part D, but guess what? It's 20% more just for Part A and Part D, which is 20% of the bill total they're liable for, but it's more money than it costs to get flat-out insurance to cover all of this stuff, you see. It's a game, and we don't know enough about it, and our legislators that we elect are ignorant, they, they aren't learned enough, they aren't wise enough, and they don't have enough experience and background to deal with economics. It's, it's like a video game that the little cognoscente, you know, the little nerds that go around playing, you know, Mortal Kombat, well, that's the old one, uh, whatever the shoot 'em up is, you know, mm -hmm. uh, death something or another, and they sit there in front of the TV and they play for hours, and they compete online, it's like you gobble up four coins or something and get three extra lives, and they own all the rules. Well, that's kind of what economics has gotten to be right now, so a whole lot of people can't get in that loop, but they're supposed to be in charge, so they just abandon their job and let somebody over here run it, and we get ripped. Mm -hmm. But anyway, that's my little rant about the craziness that's going on today. Back to the stuff that's in in the news. Um, yeah, I, I'm sure you were going to ask me about. So I didn't mean to interrupt no, the interview, brother. You said, "Hey, I'm sorry." No, you're on the no, you're on the wrong. I mean, it's good to hear you talk about these type of things because people are not getting this from their so-called mainstream news sources, or not even local news. Don't really talk about a lot of things that's very pertinent. It's more like gossip and just violence. It seems yeah. like in the weather. You know, there's nothing that can really help inform and empower your life to okay, make the well, right decision. Since, since you're giving me the lead, this thing that's in the story about Ben Carson equating right. Negro slaves to being immigrants. Mm -hmm. Well, guess what? It turns out that when Barack Obama was speaking to some people who had been newly naturalized, he used just about the same speech talking about the Negro slaves who were involuntary immigrants over here. It looks about the same word for word. Now, mm -hmm. quite frankly, I give Ben, Uncle Ben, a pass on that one. He grew up here. He went through it. Barack Obama, he didn't grow up here. He was in Indonesia or Hawaii, okay? So he never went through this stuff until... 
he got in his mid-20s when he's going to Ivy League school that his stepdaddy put him through and working then for a firm that his stepdaddy owned in Chicago, you know, real great. Mm -hmm. So, and we, you know, don't, don't listen to all this nonsense where little idiots on CNN and whatever have nothing better to do except hype it up for entertainment. Uh, look at how much we use the N-word and rap and talking about each other and in comedy and everything else. So, you know, hey, it ain't like he's white. You know, he's darker than anybody else, and he went through it, and he prevailed on a hardship life, you know, so he's a brain surgeon, more power to it. Yeah, I, yeah, I ain't mad at it, you know. Well, let me ask you this, like, when people say that he's not uh, <clears throat> qualified to run HUD, like, I was telling people before, I said, uh, you know, like, somebody like Henry Truman, he didn't have a college degree. And then you got somebody that was served on the Supreme Court, uh, Jim Burns, I mean, FBI's New Deal guy from South Carolina. He didn't have a, a high school or a law degree. But, yeah, he didn't have to become a Supreme Court justice. Let me tell you something. To become a doctor, to become mm -hmm. a brain surgeon, you got to be a pretty smart person. Mm -hmm. Dummies don't need to apply. They don't even get close to medical school. Right. So you got a smart man. Now, if you consider some of the dumb bunnies that they've had running HUD in the last several administrations, all you are basically is the administrative head, the political head to push the party line, all right? Mm -hmm. You have careerists working there who are civil service. Right. So leave it alone. You just don't like Trump. You don't like anything associated with the Republican Party. We're not asking whether you like Trump. We're just saying he got a smart man. He had to actually go through this. He's not somebody that's dealing with it theoretically. So, I don't know. He might be a good one. Let's see. We had Barack Obama. He'd never been in America before, but you wanted him as president. Now, he didn't turn out to be a particularly good one. But, you know, hey, you got a rookie in the office. He's one of the youngest we've ever had as a president. And, look, eight years, can you point to anything he did for us? Nope. Well, speaking of us, I mean, uh, I'll ask you just about Donald Trump and his uh, photo uh, op, photo op with the uh, president of HBCUs. And now you said you got the uh, president of Morehouse saying that they were bamboozled, that they were hands. Oh, they were something about a photo op. Give me a break. Those Negroes were so happy to get up in the White House. They crowed about it. So maybe they'll get a handout. Maybe he might do something for um, – Black education at historically black colleges, I don't know, might be part of his agenda to get the human and the physical infrastructure straightened out. I know Obama didn't do it. Bush was actually better than Obama about it. And Bill, you know, he kind of left me cold. He didn't do too much either. Everybody's getting left behind. Our congressman here, you know, how many times has he been elected in a majority black district and he hasn't done a damn thing for us? No, uh, Steve Cohen. I'm going Steve with Cohen. Cohen. Yeah, what has he done? I mean, he took the people to barbecues and birthday parties and yeah, proclamations. And then Charlie <laughs> Belts and Smith get all the gravy. Right, what right. Do we get? Even the white middle class doesn't get anything out of him. 
Mm. For that matter, Ford Jr. either, uh, Turley, Belts, and Smith, mm. etc. You know, we get a game run on us. Somebody gives us a little word or attends one of our functions, and we get so happy. But what, is, but what is about, I mean, I guess Mississippi Delta Blacks in particular, Memphis, that it's kind of like interesting. You compare black folks in different places like uh, Houston or Atlanta or somewhere like that, or even a DMV, D.C., Maryland, Virginia. What is it about black folks here that we are so easily, I guess, manageable? It's like, it's like a plantation account. What's your take well, on it? In other words, and the Negroes have no cotton to pick. It's one of the things you have to keep in mind is Memphis is the largest majority black city in the United States. Mm-hmm. Just keep that in the back of your mind. Okay. Second thing is not so much the population, but our leadership has been so anxious to jump through hoops and get a little bit under the table. And they compromise themselves with being a little too freaky about their sexuality so they're easily, what shall we say, extorted. Some of them have had the hand under the table too many times, so people have holes over them. Some other ones have committed petty criminality. Some other ones are just chicken ass and have no balls. And we have a few good ones, but it's overwhelming. One of the worst offenders is the series of black folk we've had on the county commission, not all of them. Henry Brooks was good, but they jacked her up because she made a stand. Uh, and lynched her, so to speak, though I understand that Paula Skane got removed from the case as the judge, and the Court of Appeals sent it back for a rehearing in mm. front of a different judge. Now, see, the thing I'm getting on the county commission about is since 2008, there's been money on account to pay for totally replacing these deballed voting machines, which are completely corrupt, that based on Windows 2000, they have no firewall, they have no security, they have no passcodes, they're easy enough to get into, all you need is a smartphone, and you can make them do whatever you want during an election. Well, guess what? All it takes is a majority, simple majority on the county commission to sign something like this. We, the below signed commissioners, hereby resolve to replace all of the devolved machines and then sign it. And each time we've had three black Democrats who refused to sign, and I know they're bought off, so scurrilous, underhanded, no-good scoundrels need to be held to account. You can't even get the Democratic Party Central Committee to yank them in and say, hey, it's a partisan position, explain yourself. Mm-hmm. And then the Democratic uh, Party here got dissolved because it got so far out of line, you know. So, you know, it, it's just we're letting the ball go. They dropped the ball, don't know how to pick it up, and locals are frustrated, and they're running the game on us. They've been fixing elections since uh, 1998, if not before. So mm-hmm. black people are getting told by 3, 5, 13 in the commercial appeal that, well, guess what? Uh, the Republican Party seems to be putting together platforms that appeal to black voters. Oh, hell no. You're just getting took because the voting machines can be manipulated so easily. Every damn time we've had an election for the last 27 years, 
uh, the voting machines or the polling places in the black areas have always had a problem. Mm. Always. Every single election. Some of them are closed down. Some precincts are not operating. They lose teeth tapes. We have people like Norma Lester on the election commission won't even go down there. I guess she's too busy getting her nails done, talking about it's a social club. You know, she's just putting this on a resume because it's something to talk about when she sips wine and nibbles cheese and she doesn't do a job. We've got Sidney Chisholm down there. Somebody needs to put him in jail for being a crook. But now he's talking about running for mayor, and look what he got. He supported a Republican candidate for a white Republican for sheriff, and he's never been in law enforcement, but they hired him down there with the sheriff's department. And Benny Cobb was a captain on the sheriff's department. The person they elected was a lieutenant on the police department. But did they get Cobb in? No. So the two offices that controlled everything, the DAs and the sheriff's department, we've never had a black person to hold them. We did have black county, black city mayor. Now they're not. We've lost half the black judges we had 20 years ago. We're going downhill. White people are only 19.1% of the registered voters in Memphis. They're 24.8 for the county. And they are a lesser percentage of the overall population. We're getting run. 50% of the people that get busted for simple possession of marijuana are white. But 95% of them who are convicted are black. And guess what? The Justice Department says the stiffest sentences for possession of marijuana in the United States are given out in Shelby County, Tennessee. The Justice Department says the most racist, bigoted, biased, and prejudiced operation they have ever investigated is this sorry, pitiful excuse for something called Shelby County, Memphis and Shelby County Juvenile Court. It ought to be shut down, torn to the ground, and rebuilt. And we can't get a judge or a clerk in there because the voting machines get hijacked on a regular basis. They're ripping us off. They're selling black kids into a privately run system. And we we get messed up. You get three kids busted for a simple possession of marijuana they all live out in Germantown. One of them black, two of them whites. All of them have been clean. Good students. The two white ones get taken to Germantown City Court and don't even get a slap on the hand. Parents pay a couple hundred dollars and that's it. Black one gets taken down to juvenile, all the way downtown to juvenile court by the same cops. They're still messing around with his case a year and a half later, and his parents have paid out thousands of dollars. And they're trying to ruin the kid so he won't have a college career. You see, that kind of thing goes on. Uh, 95% of the people that are juveniles said to be sentenced as adults in this county are black, and they make up 54% of the juveniles statewide in the adult system. See, it's a ripoff. And we put up with it. And right now, part of the problem is is that the press is lying to you. The commercial appeal owns Channel 3 and half of Channel 5. They have to disclose it. Uh, Pat Harris 
Patricia Harris owns the commercial appeal through some of her family's companies. She owns the Channel 3 through those same companies and part of Channel 5. They back the clown Kenneth Turner to set up juvenile court. They talk about us needing an education. The judge for 55 years down there dropped out of the seventh grade. That's as far as he went. He was deemed unqualified to hear a case, but he kept getting elected. Nobody would challenge him but me. Yeah, they talk about Bill Cox not being qualified, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, so don't worry about it. Ben Carson is a brilliant man if he's a neurosurgeon. He may be a little bit nerdy and a little bit backwards, but we need somebody with some intelligence in there, and we've had entirely too many dumb bunnies holding these positions. Well, man, you do this, like you, you talked about Memphis politics. I'm glad you talked about you know, what's going on in Memphis politics or politics, and what's your take on uh, the mayor's uh, uh, blacklist or whatever list they had put together concerning activists and other concerned citizens who were deemed, I guess, the enemies out there? The Justice Department should have jacked him up in our black U.S. attorney, uh, Stanton III, should have gone through looking at him violating people's civil rights and indicted him for it. Mm-hmm. Ed Stanton III, but I take it he wants to be a young federal judge, and I understand Lamar Alexander, Republican senator, nominated him for a judgeship. So he wants a lifetime job. I guess employment is hard to come by and hard to keep. You know, it is so disappointing, man. I just, I don't know what to do as a person, as a black man, or as a concerned citizen, like, if folks are so easily bought out for their own concerns, but they call themselves public servants, what do we have to look forward to in terms of protecting the interests of the people through this system? Ourselves. They've got a saying that i found to be very true about America. You know what it is? What the, is people it? Get, the people get the representation they deserve. And what we have now is what we deserve. We don't raise our children right. We've forgotten what it is to be men. Those of us who knew seem to have rolled over and gone to sleep on it. We don't teach the youth about manhood, about the toughness, the dedication, responsibility, obligation, honor, courage, and physical bravery that's necessary. You know, we don't do these things. We support these projects to try to de-emphasize masculinity. We pay attention to the Oscars and the Emmys because they try to tear down manhood. We go around trying to act like we know everything at the cocktail party, and we down our people who stand up for something. You know, he should have acted a little bit more discreetly, or he didn't have to talk like that. I mean, that's just not done. So what? You know, I'm so sick and tired of listening to somebody apologize because they call a scoundrel a scoundrel, and it, up hurt, it upset somebody's feelings. Mm-hmm. That's right. You know, Judge, it was interesting. You talked about the marijuana census uh, laws as it uh, really targets uh, black people, young black people. Uh, today I was at a parole hearing for a relative, and a guy who was hearing the, uh, you know, the, the parole board person he was telling my relatives, look, you know, you know, dealing drugs is a bad thing when you was young. It was terrible to be dealing drugs. 
And then he gave the family a chance to speak. And I said, sir, you do know that our president, President Franklin Roosevelt, his grandfather made the family fortune by dealing drugs to the uh, opium to the Chinese, right? Yeah. You do know about American history. So I only let him know that I knew. And, you know, he, let, he, you know, he granted uh, to release my, my relative. He, you know, he, he said I'll you know, rule in favor of him being released. Cause he served so many years in jail. I mean, he served all just about all his twenties and half his thirties in jail. And uh, you know, I just think it's weird that how can you stand in judges on me if you know my narrative as an African American in this country and how we've been treated or mistreated? Yeah, well, you know, I say this. If you want a safe community, you need men to make it safe, not the police. Now say that again, Judge. Say it again. If you want a safe community, you need men to make it safe, not the police. Now explain why. Why is that? That's what's wrong with our hood now. We don't have enough men. We got a lot of boys, but, you know, frankly... The typical hood rat, you know, he got raised by a young mama who didn't know how to be a mama with aunts who weren't of high character, and a grandmama's probably the same thing. He's like a lesbian in a boy's body. Lesbian got raised as a girl but likes girls, but she's got girl plumbing. He got raised as a girl. He likes girls. If a fairy godmother waved a magic wand and the lesbian woke up with a penis the next morning, be no different. Mm-hmm. Over emotional, unmanly folk, they won't have a fist fight. They got to go pop a cap on somebody. They don't know how to provide for women at home with them, don't know how to provide for children that they may have. And they sit there and they live off of the women that they can seduce. Uh, and what are they seducing? The woman raised these boys. Did she raise them? No, she just let them breed like weeds. They got out the house. She lost the check. She's trying to get somebody to knock her up to get another check, and she brings home another boy child and adopts him and then has incest, commits incest with him and gets a check, and he gets the check. Somebody else got bamboozled into getting a little piece of it. He gets blamed. And then you go down to this local clown show they call juvenile court. It's a big game. It's going on all across the country. No manhood. Where's the where's the national black leadership? There is none. Mm-hmm. Now, people say Mr. Farrakhan. They always say that. I, I look at online. Well, Mr. Farrakhan is a black leader. Minister Farrakhan is a leader. He's grandfathered in. Minister mm-hmm. Farrakhan goes back to the 60s. I'm talking mm-hmm. about he's an old man, an honorable old man. He's mm-hmm. got a presence about it. Where is the black leadership other than folk that are about to die? You know, point. Stokely Carmel, H.R.A.P. Brown, uh, Malcolm X, you know, Eldridge Cleaver. Oh, he had his problems getting out of the penitentiary. You know, we had black leadership. BSUs all across the country were doing stuff. You know, people were anxious to be leaders. Now it's all about the dollar, brother. You know, I can't be bothered with all of that and jeopardize my future career. Plus, things are all right now. It's just in need of fine-tuning. Oh, crap. Mm. You know, 
give me a break. Man, just like uh, I know we just had our first man up uh, Monday, which is the first Monday of every month uh, that you created. And I know I've been getting a lot of positive feedback from the uh, your proclamation of, of Man Up Mondays, and uh, a lot of people man have been inspired. Manifesto, yeah. yeah, man, manifesto. People have been inspired to write articles to actually live up to what you were saying. I mean, I've been looking at the uh, comments online, and people are very hyped up. And a lot of women are calling for men to be men, which is interesting. But at the same time, it is Women's Appreciation Month or Women's History Month. Do you think that uh, – you talking about black leadership, in particularly black male leadership. You believe that black women of today are very supportive of radical, uh, progressive black male leadership? They aren't supportive of any black leadership, but they need it. I'm not going to do anything for this celebration so they have one celebrating manhood. You know, I still am angry about 45 going on 50 years of take your daughter to work week, and there's never been take your son to work week. And I looked at what the Defense Department put out. Those statistics are awful. All races and ethnicities included in this mix for the last decade, that was 2000 to 2011. Only 28% of each year's high school graduates on average were male. Only 32% of the undergrad students on average were male. Only 36% of the grad students on average are male. Only 44% of the workforce is male. The yin-yang balance is out. We need to bring the pendulum back to equilibrium. I definitely do. That is not right. I'm listening to we need to be in charge. Well, no, you messed it up when you started taking it in your mind to have babies, including boy babies, and you did not know how to raise them. You messed up when you adopted this Dr. Spock nonsense about it's all about love rather than discipline and control and training. It You messed up when you decided you didn't need a husband around and being married was in prison the way some of the feminists on the West and East Coast were talking. You say, break the family up. You don't need one. See, you messed up when you did that. You messed up when you decided you just had to have a baby and you didn't want to be restricted. You know, talking about you got a right to go party and you have three kids. See, you messed up when you listened to your crazy mama and your aunt and your grandmama and all their friends who didn't know how to raise these boys and decided to have them anyway. You know, and now you can't find a man, and for if you just got out of high school, or that's all your education, there are three of you for every man uh, that's got a high school education. If you got a college degree and you're a woman, there are two of you for every man with a college degree. And if you got a graduate degree, there's two of you for every man with a graduate degree. That's if you include all races, not just blacks. It gets a lot worse for us. See, they came up with another thing. Now, if you just happen to be born that way, that's your bed. You can't do anything with it, but you can make something of yourself. But in America right now, 42% of all Americans, 35 and under, are illegitimate. You know, so how did this come about? See, so women, 
you need to atone for what you have done to the people, to the children around here, and to society and to culture. You blame men all the time. But, you know, I look at the white women and I say, what are you complaining about? Look where you got in the world thanks to your white men. You run everything. You're the beneficiary of everything. They get all weirded out when they think they may not be able to protect you. What are you complaining about? Oh, you want to be equal. Well, be equal, but pay those dues. But let's not forget that, you know, somebody's got to be a mother if there's going to be a next generation. If you say women... Being a mother is a shameful thing unless you just play at it. You know, that's abandoning your your obligations. As a woman, just like a man has got an obligation to support. But, you know, check out what you see on the media. You see these Liberty Mutual insurance commercials. You see the yes, one sir. where they got this dowdy-looking uh, woman, and she's got this little sissy, long-haired boy all hugged up to her right hip, and this little frumpy-looking girl hugged up to her left hip. And she's mm-hmm. saying, oh, I just love Liberty Mutual because I was all tied up with the kids and I can't manage to get free to get an estimate. So all I had to do was take a picture and then you flip to the other side and there's some dumpy little frump with two little punk idiots hovering around her out of control, fidgeting all over the place. Where's your brother? There's three of you. Where's your brother? Where'd he go? And they won't even stand still to answer her. And that's just totally out of control. Mm. Like, I mean, I look at that and I'm appalled. I said, the incompetent idiots masquerading as mothers. What is wrong with this? This picture is horrible. I would never have dreamed of doing that as a child. Mm-hmm. Frankly, you know, I like to breathe. And, you know, I would have been worrying about not breathing if I had done some of that stuff they put up as normal. Or how about another one of their commercials? They're so typical of America. Uh, you know, no one was hurt. You ran your car, new car, into a ditch, and now they only pay three quarters of a... You ran your car into a ditch. And then they had the one woman did the spreadsheets on getting the right car, and then she wrapped it around a tree. And then there's some idiot ran into the rear of somebody. Of course, your insurance rates go up. But the bottom line is that these folk can't drive. Why don't they learn to drive? Mm. You know, you're going to get out there on the freeway and you get in the fast lane that's 55 or 65. You got to drive five under the speed limit because you don't want anybody in front of you you might have to brake for. So you have half a mile of vacant lane and you won't let anybody rent it from you. And move over. You know, never look in a rear view mirror. And as a sick, there are controls in your car besides your brake. As an accelerator, which you need to step on sometimes, in a steering wheel, you need to be able to turn, and you have a mirror on each side and one inside, use them. And don't focus them so they all, you know, are looking right behind the car. Take those side mirrors so they get the rear quarter so you can see what's up behind you on the side, but people don't do that. You know, can't drive a lick. I had people in my courtroom fail the driving test 25, 30 times, and all it is is drive around the block, but they keep driving the car. (laughs) And big dummies can't pass the written test. In fact, it's so bad in Tennessee, uh, they have a provision where you put on earphones and look at a slideshow, and they ask you questions about the slideshow because you can't read. 
How are you supposed to drive if you can't read a street sign? I guess you know you're not colorblind, right? <laughs> Stop and go. Stop and go. <laughs> and then you wow. have political parties where the Democratic Party is looking for the sugar plum fairy and the Republican Party is looking for fearless leader, neither of which exists. You know, and it's all mythological because their name reign game is they've sold out on the high levels to Goldman Sachs. So Goldman Sachs can keep the taxpayers financing what they do is they finance others on paper. You know, so wow. that's the big game. Look at who's connected with Goldman Sachs. What's their routine? They're exempt from the American banking laws. They don't have to back up their accounts with cash. So, look, wow. Cruz's wife worked for Goldman Sachs. Uh, Hillary's daddy worked for Goldman Sachs. Goldman Sachs got her $26 million in a year and a half for speaking fees. That's what Bernie was talking about. We want to see the transcripts because there were none. Because all she'd do is show up and say hi, and they'd give her a $220,000 check saying she spoke to him. Ain't nobody. She certainly doesn't have that much wisdom to be worth that much money to listen to for a half hour. He's you know, bribing the woman. And also know? the biggest yeah, campaign con uh, contributor to uh, Obama's two uh, 2008 campaign was Goldman was Sachs. Goldman Sachs. He worked for a law firm. Michelle worked for the law firm that represented Goldman Sachs. This last guy he nominated for the Supreme Court worked for a law firm that represented Goldman Sachs. These two women he got on the Supreme Court had consulted for <laughs> Goldman Sachs. The person, Geithner, that he appointed to the tre head of the Treasury Department, uh, uh, Secretary of the Treasury, worked for as a consultant for Goldman Sachs. He's the one who came up with that cock and amish scheme, scheme of bundling mortgages that caused all that mess. They put Wesley Snipes in jail for three years for the misdemeanor offense of failing to file a complete set of tax returns and IRS owed him a quarter of a million dollars for overpaying his taxes. He got three years. They gave Geithner a $38,000 fine and six months suspended as a misdemeanor for several million dollars worth of fraud, tax fraud. See, see where this stuff goes? Wesley Snipes, you see him all the time. Good guy. I know him personally. They tried him down in a county that's got the only freestanding Ku Klux Klan paraphernalia store in America. Wow. Well, that's America for you. Oh, All-white jury. They had oh. 19 black folk that were on that jury panel. The judge said, all of you go home, you'll get a notice for the, from the clerk when you need to come back. He was finding the black folk in contempt, then found out all of them got a different date from the white jurors. Wow. That, wow. So he didn't get a jury, he didn't get a trial with a jury of his peers. Wow. That, you know that. And then he a dumb bunny for a lawyer. I swear, I, I sat in that courtroom yeah. and I burnt. The judge was even trying to help out his lawyer. See, that's the other thing. Black folk get up and get a position, just like Obama, and you get the front and off half-stepping because you're way over your head. I mean, somebody, I was a character witness. Uh, the judge made this fool sit down and call me. He said, I I'm tired of listening to you because I've already told you. I read everything. We want to hear from your witnesses. 
tell you what, and he said, first one you calling is Judge Brown. You got 10 minutes to prepare. And I want to hear from him 15. I hear from three more of your character witnesses for 15 minutes each. And then you sit down. We've had enough of this for today. He's been trying to get him to put them on all day long. But he was half-stepping and didn't know what he was doing. See, so Wesley had to get up there and uh, uh, help him out. Mm. And that was his lawyer. Yeah, it was his lawyer. Wow. Counselor, the court would like to hear from your character witnesses. The court is very impressed by some of your character witnesses and the letters they wrote on behalf of your client, Mr. Snipes. Now, would you please put your character witnesses on? Well, Your Honor, we'd like to miss that. Son, the court has read your brief. is trying to do you a favor by continuing that part of the matter to a later date. Would you put on your character witnesses? Wow. You know, I mean, it's like pathetic. But see, that's the inequity. And all these young folk running around talking about everything's all right. It's not. See, one thing, there, there's a thing that black people need to understand is what our true function is for this country. There was a Jewish psychologist named Conrad Lorenz. He escaped from the Nazis in the 30s, and he wrote about human aggression. There's a book he wrote called On Aggression, and he said any large body of people has a massive amount of undisplaced interpersonal hostility and aggression. In Europe, the Germans hate the French, French hate the Germans, the French hate the English, the English hate the Germans, etc., etc., and everything is the fault of this outside enemies. That way your population can blame its troubles on these outside factors. He said, well, in America, America has the Negro, a very identifiable minority. And at the time, America had 130 people. So he said uh, 30 million of them are black. We were a much bigger proportion or percentage of the population back then than now, 80 years ago. Mm -hmm. So he said... If the 100 million displaced their interpersonal hostility and aggression against the Negro, they will be more cohesive and a stronger unit than if it was all 130 million, including the Negro, but with undisplaced hostility and aggression. It says the Negro does not have to be an actual physical scapegoat. It will suffice if you can vicariously displace your hostility and aggression upon the Negro. He said, when times are hard as it is during the Depression, then there will be a greater need for the Negro to be available as a scapegoat so America will stay cohesive and unified rather than fragmenting because it's separated by large oceans from any other natural enemy, and it would be hard to blame somebody several thousand miles away for what's going on at home. Hmm. 
So we need to understand that. He also said Chinese. He said uh, Mexicans. He said Italians, Irish, English. At a distance, they all look alike because they're fair-skinned. But the Negro stands out at a great distance. They're readily identifiable by speech, complexion, conduct, and physical features. And they make ideal scapegoats, and that's what's going on right now. We are nervous as a society because too many of us are being made obsolete by industrial technology and computerization. We take these magic computers, the net, and instead of using them for business, we use them for gossip and to play with. We don't even spread a good message for the good time uh, that we uh, uh, spend on. Mm-hmm. We as a people are too much into the AAA thing. Actors, athletes, and artists. In an artist, I would include people who sing, paint, write poetry, and everything else, or rap. You mm-hmm. see, they have made it to an extent. So all the rest of the kids want to be an athlete, an actor, or some kind of artist. And there are very few that have these skills and talents and very, very few that get the break. You know, even if you've got the talent, they right. tell you what, don't quit your day job until you get to be a success at this other thing. Mm-hmm. And then pad you behind because it won't last too long. But see, the stuff that some black folk use to get ahead is also the thing that too many of us use to hold ourselves down. So we got a bad situation. Uh, And education is a problem with us. Uh, I studied the Civil War, and I found it very interesting that Union officers made this observation whenever they wound up dealing with colored troops. That's what they called us then said even Grant had a survey taken. And do you know that the only completely literate units in the old Union Army were African American? Uh-uh. It was uh, known you never saw a black soldier without a book of some kind to read and something to practice his writing on. Now look at it. She can't even get us in school. <laughs> wow. See, we... we It's this thing. You see, manhood is dispersing because when you're going to be a man, whether you're talking about 2,000 years ago when you had to learn the lay of the land, how to hunt, track, uh, you know, read the sign, you know, you had to have an artisan know how to make something, be a farmer, or have something you could do to earn a living, and you work long hours at it. You see, now you're supposed to get it just because you want it, not because you can be prepared for it, or you have the ability to seize it and make it yours, see. Unless you steal it, you're a con, man. Y'all, man, I got game, man. I got me so many hoes, man. Work for me, man. It tastes good care of me. You know, man, I got game, man. I move much of that, man. You know, hey, I'm a player. You know, that's how we think. Too often, but not always, but a lot of kids don't really even want that, but they get it put to them the way the media puts it to them. That's the only way to be about it. And if they turn on the television, they see sissy boys 
who have a female roommate who's platonic, a female uh, next-door neighbor, a female co-ed, mama, grandmama, or aunt who has to bail their lane behinds out all the time. They're scared of everything. The women have to stand up for them, and they're the most unmanly males, sissified types that you can think of, and that's what they get put in their faces is acceptable. They switch, twitch, they look all gaudy, and they don't have any idea what they're up to. And then on our side, they walk around with their pants hung off their behind looking like they're in the penitentiary and being made to dress that way so as a sign to everybody else who's doing long time of life to turn them out and girl them out. You know, so I don't even know what they're perpetrating. So I mean, go ahead. Yeah, I was thinking about that old rap song from back in the day. We headed for self-destruction. And back in the day, uh, you know, self-destruction, we headed for self-destruction. So, I mean, it's all about design, right? And also, the guy who was the Secretary of Treasury on the bush doing the uh, bailout, was he a Goldman Sachs exec at one point? Was his name like Paul? Yeah, it was, uh, it was document. And so Goldman Sachs is really the American government now? I mean, No, here's what they do. Okay. See, America, the way they've dealt with it, they've gotten away from money. You don't okay. even write a check anymore. You deal with it through a service, and they cover it. Uh, the check is not turned into money. It's processed, and you get the credit for it. Well, mm-hmm. see, Goldman Sachs arranges financing, but they have no money in their vaults. They just do it on paper. Every other banking institution has to have their accounts backed up with cash. They don't. So what happens is the idea is that what they do is so esoteric that only they can do it. So the government has an agreement with them that if they get in trouble, they'll back them up, bail them out. Wow. Two biggest expenditures in the entire history of the United States of America that $700 billion bailout bill under the Bush administration that principally went to the likes of Goldman Sachs, Smith, Barney, et cetera, before Smith, Barney folded. Mm-hmm. The biggest in American history is the $781 billion economic incentive plan uh, fund, $781 billion that came under the Obama administration and Geithner, who was the Treasury Secretary, who had been a consultant for Goldman Sachs, wrote that thing. So that's $14.81 billion that went to Goldman Sachs and three or four other finance uh, banks. So, you know, just think about that. The two biggest expenditures in the history of the country went to bail out or boost up three or four businesses. Now, what I thought they should have done, since the government was the primary creditor, was to have filed an involuntary bankruptcy proceeding against them, uh, gone into federal court, had them put under a receivership, 
had some GS-14s getting paid eighty-five, ninety thousand a year, run the place until it got solvent again, fired all these clowns, and be done with it. You know, isn't that how private enterprise works? You put your money up, and you either make it big or you lose your shirt. So when does private enterprise get to be the taxpayers put the money up? And you see that other big lie about the sanctity and glory of private enterprise. Okay, if they're using their money, but they're not using their money. They're using tax money. And see, you know what the flaw is with private enterprise? What's the flaw? Profit. It's always cost plus profit. If you had a single payer for health care, nobody wants to talk about that. You don't have to worry about profit, just cost. And the more people that are covered and the bigger the plan, the cheaper the cost because it's called the economy of scale. Well, it should always been single payer, but Obama had a senator from Nebraska, Ben Nelson, who was a former health insurance exec, whatever. He said you got to keep the other option in it because, you know, with the insurance company, you couldn't, well, yeah. you couldn't have single payer. Because well, yeah, of greed, like you said, a profit. Yeah. yeah, but see, they bought into that big lie. Mm-hmm. See, look what FDR did back then with uh, what the government did to bail out everybody under that de- uh, depression. See, right. Hoover, the previous president, was talking the same nonsense these clowns do now about private enterprise will make the adjustments and it will self-cure. No, that's not what's going on. You needed the government to come in, and that's why we have civilizations in government, was to control centrally control a cop. So these characters want... Go ahead. Now, even the banks was about, they didn't want to get rid of FDR, though. They wanted to get rid of him because they were afraid of what he was trying to do, like you just said. Yeah, well, what did he do? He took the country from being bankrupt, mm-hmm. all these people out of work and suffering, and he took it into World War II, kicked behind, and, you know, he died in his fourth term, but the U.S. came out of it the richest country on the planet. And it stayed that way until these clowns dismantled it. So, In other words, it kept them under control. Like, for one example, one thing, um, long-term capital gains. It used to be that if you bought something and you sold it, stock, company, or anything, uh, before six months, you got your butt kicked with a tax penalty. But if you kept it six months before you sold it, then Mm -hmm. what happened was is that you only got taxed on one half of your gain at a very low rate. Well, so what happens is let's say you go buy a stock. You're going to keep it for six months to keep from getting hit by a heavy tax penalty. So you tended to go around and invest wisely, picking companies that looked like they were going somewhere or had a future. Nowadays, they've wiped that out so you can keep it uh, three nanoseconds and you can trade it, sell it. You don't pay any penalty for your gain. So now instead of looking for secure long-term stuff other than to stabilize your portfolio, you're looking for volatility. So if you buy in, you can drive the price up and then quickly manipulate it by selling it at a high price, when you pay little for it, make a great profit, and it doesn't hurt you tax-wise. It's a game. 
and private enterprise will do it. No, you're ripping off. You know, and I, when you were describing how the Goldman Sachs uh, model worked, I'm thinking this is just nothing but a legal Ponzi scheme. Exactly. Exactly mm. what it is. See, Obama has a trust fund out of Indonesia. Mm-hmm. The person that set up the trust fund was one of the 10, 15 richest men on earth when he died. Mm. That's his stepdaddy who adopted him before he was two. And mm-hmm. that trust fund is exempt from American law. So, you know, they downplay Obama's like his rags yeah, and riches, so, so they keep on downplaying that. He didn't rag the riches nothing. <laughs> well, his daddy ran a Gestapo for the Indonesian government at one time. He ran the death squads. Mm. And he was a international vice president for Standard Oil before he set up his own oil firm. He was a tycoon. He put everything, left everything to a trust fund, and Obama is a one-third beneficiary. He's richer than Trump. Make Trump look like a pauper if all of it came into him at one time. Mm. Wow. But Daddy set it up so he gets a bit of it time to time. But Goldman Sachs did the financing. They did joint ventures with BP and Halliburton. Uh, Barry Sotoro was the name he went to school under. Well, mm-hmm. the Sotoros were family friends with the Bushes. Mm-hmm. So just imagine that. George W. Bush is a family friend of the Obama family. Mm. Are they cousins too? Are they related to? Are they blood related? No, what that is is through his mama, Barack Obama is related to Warren Buffett, the billionaire. He's related Mm. to Dick Cheney, the CEO of Halliburton, and he's also related to Brad Pitt. (laughs) <laughs> uh huh. Now you get the picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. This is like crazy though to think about how basically this this whole thing is the American dream. Then it's all a lie. It's a lie. See, mm-hmm. right now what happens is if you take the entire American economy, ninety five percent of the profit and the gain goes to five percent of the people. Ninety five percent of the people split the remaining 5%. Mm-hmm. You got to discount 2% of the 5% to get 95% of the gain because only 3% of the American public controls what produces 95% of the gain. Mm. So in other words, 95% of the people in the country split the remaining 5% of what the 3 and 5% are making. That's how rough it is. This stuff started off on the St. Ron the Ragon, and everybody loved that senile clown. He's brain dead when he got in. That's why they always had him talking about pointing to his ear. He couldn't hear because they didn't want him to say anything. Probably come off with something stupid because he was demented. Yeah, and also you you talk about the the joke of a uh, private industry making profits. I was I was recently made aware of a headline with uh, Elon Musk uh, being there being there from South Africa. The government gave him like four point nine billion dollars to help with his uh, project. Mm-hmm. He's a billionaire and he got almost five billion dollars from a government, 
to help with his financial empire of the stuff he was innovating. Mm-hmm. And that's corporate yeah. welfare. Even Donald Trump's father benefited from, you know, the government back in the 30s subsidizing his businesses yeah. in New York. Well, it's well, crazy. Look at look at right. They built for this guy to run down here, Bill Street Landing, $35 million. Mm-hmm. They spent all of this money on Peabody Place that right. run down that we That's didn't crazy. get a piece of the action for. Yeah. You know, they've got this thing down here next to the Presley Mansion, this five-star hotel. Who's going to stay in there? Nobody but the people that built it and the people that are backing it got it paid for by the city of Memphis under the guise of promoting tourists. Crazy. This is insane, man. But so what's saying, happening yeah. on Beal Street? Bill yeah. Street, the primary lease on holders, pay the city $250 a month, and they charge from five to $25,000 a month to rent it to these people operating clubs. Their leases have been gone for the last 25 years. Why doesn't the city exercise eminent domain, give them a month's worth of lease money, $250, take the leases back and make a condition that you have to actually be operating a club to hold the lease and get $5,000 a throw to help out the city's economic woes. And if the city wouldn't be in economic woes if there weren't so many legal bribes and stuff being paid off. Yeah, I remember when Harrington gave uh, Elkerton, who ran Bill Street, uh, he paid, I mean, Elkerton has just paid, what, a dollar for Hendy Park to control Hendy Park? Mm-hmm. And he got all that advertising up there. I mean, this is weird how the, the leadership basically sold out. Like, Dr. King, you know it was a conspiracy to bring Dr. King to Memphis now, because look at the lack of black leadership or how the black leadership was utilized to bring Dr. King to Memphis where he got killed. Street, look here. I know... Uh, the late Judge Otis Higgs, fine, noble gentleman. Mm-hmm. And he used to be NAACP counsel when King was killed. He said he actually had to dive under a table at an NAACP meeting because the people were pulling pistols on each other. One side, one part wanted King, the other part wanted him gone. Uh, another part of the organization was hollering about the white people that sponsored them didn't want King in the city. You know, a lot of these people that we hold up to be role models, you know, if you knew the truth about them, you wouldn't admire them much. Right. Because these are folks who got buildings and streets and schools named after them. Well, okay, let me give you an example. (laughs) Both, Both individuals are dead, but it's a different kind of example. Right. Civil Rights Museum. There's a brass plaque that says, founded by the army Bailey. That is the worst tale going. The Mm. person that owned the civil rights museum, the Lorraine motel was a guy named Walter Bailey, not the army Bailey's brother, not the Walter Bailey. That is a County commissioner, a different Walter Bailey. He was with Chuck Scruggs, Scruggs trying to figure out what to do down at WDIA. Chuck mm-hmm. Scruggs got with Randy Wade. Randy Wade called me. So me, Chuck Scruggs, Randy Wade, and then Walter Bailey got in on some meetings down at this old black club called the Gay Hall. So we mm-hmm. met for a couple of weeks. It was my idea to turn it into a museum. So what we wound up doing is we got the late A.W. Willis attorney 
to fill out all the forms, get the paperwork signed, get everything together, and then he collapsed one day before he could mail the packet off. Mm. Wow. He found out he was terminally ill with a cancer that was eating him up so fast he died within two or three weeks. So his office asked the Army to mail it off for him, and that's how he gets listed as the founder of the Civil Rights Museum. Now, Mm -hmm. he was trying to toady up to some people, so without consulting anybody, he invites George Herbert Walker Bush unilaterally to come to Memphis to open up the Civil Rights Museum. Well, guess what? They've got the band out there playing Hail to the Chief, no George W. Bush. He doesn't even reply, instills everybody. So there's all these people standing out there, you know, in the sun waiting on the president who doesn't show. See, that's the kind of thing they do. And to show you how crazy it is, when they tried Harold Ford Sr. for this bribery case, the second go-around, their theory was that he didn't get money bribed. Uh, He wasn't getting a money bribe. They were going to name a bridge after him. So you go all through the trial, and then when it gets to the point of drama about the name of the bridge, the bridge is named after A.W. Willis. Not Harold Ford. Mm. Wow. Now, we're, talking about, we're talking about stupidity. There are a lot of people down here watching the trial, okay? There mm-hmm. are 10 blacks on the jury, two whites. So everybody's looking at the reaction of the two white jurors, and the audience is saying it's going to be a 10 2 verdict 10 for acquittal and 2 for conviction. So when mm-hmm. it came down, everybody, I was down there, I could see. Mm-hmm. They don't like this. It's going to be a 10-2. So our black judge, he was a good guy otherwise, just a bit naive. Judge Odell Horton, the late honorable, he says there must have been some improper communication from the jury room to the audience. Otherwise, how did they know that it was going to be a 10-2 verdict? Well, <laughs> you know, look at these white folk looking at what's going on and got scowls on their faces. And you look at these black folks shaking their heads like, oh, you expect us to go for this? <laughs> so what did we get from our good black judge? He ruled that the government couldn't get a fair trial, so he let them bring folk in from out of the state to be put on the jury panel instead of a jury of your peers. Well, wow. they acquitted him anyway, but brother... Ain't nobody going to put you on the Supreme Court at your age. Why don't you just hard nose it and say, screw that. We get another. This is where the man's congressman. Mm. You know, you had a flim flam case. Let's do it again. You know, if we must. Now, let me ask you something. Bill Clinton did show up at the museum opening, right, as a candidate for president or governor? No, he wasn't. He wasn't a candidate for president. This was when George W. Herbert Walker Bush was president. This okay. was like 1989, somewhere in there. Oh, if you want to talk about that, there was a 50th anniversary of the King assassination. Okay. Everybody showed up. Black Caucus, even that Newt Gingrich, that right-wing fascist, did other the Republicans love. John McCain showed up. The Hiller boat showed up. That's Hillary. Uh, mm. The keynote speaker 
was Barack Obama. He didn't even RSVP and didn't show. No, he didn't show. Didn't really, about show. the 2000, 2008 and the 40th anniversary? Yeah, 40th okay. anniversary. Well, next year we got the 50th coming up. We think it's going to happen during the 50th. I don't know. <laughs> Are they going to come clean? Because they did. Yeah, but... I mean, the thing of it was, a lot of people in the audience got turned off because these preachers tried to co-opt the thing and make it about them instead of King. Boy, I mean, the family yeah. walked off of the balcony up there. They wouldn't even go up there. They just said, you know, these folk are trying to pimp out the late father. You know, and Dr. King had beef with a lot of these black men, so they didn't like Dr. Yeah, King. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what's happening around here. Every time somebody tries to do something, preachers get involved, and then they start trying to get you to come to that church so you can put something in that collection plate instead of helping out what's going on. Right. That right. thing on the bridge. Brothers were trying to get it together. Our police director came down there and put on a good show trying to be involved. But, you know, it got to the point where preachers were trying to co-opt the movement. Now the movement's co-opted by the gay side. LGBT took over Black Lives Matter. You right. know, so they, they, they try to make it an analogy to their situation. So, you know, we don't have any black movement going on. Mm, wow. That's like really much sad commentary for the time. You know, even though these are very interesting times we live in. Yeah, we had SNCC, Court, and Congress for Racial Equality. We had the NAACP that was active. We had the Black Student Unions. There was the Black Panther Party. You know, there were all kinds of things going on back in the 60s. Affected black leadership. What have you got now? The Nation of Islam's always been there. And Minister Farrakhan, great Mr. Farrakhan, Minister Farrakhan. He's always been with us, but he's an old man. Right. Let me ask you, let me ask you this. I, this is popping my mind before I let you go. Uh, your thoughts about Nick Cannon walking away from NBC, the uh, comedian, entertainer, like he said, you know, basically he ain't going to be nobody's slave, right? So he walked away from NBC after doing a special for Showtime that was very heavy into race and uh, sex and all this stuff, you know, saying the word nigga and stuff like that. Uh, what's your thoughts about him walking away from, you know, millions of dollars and talking about, you know, taking a stand? Well, I that's what I did with CBS. They tried to play chicken on me. I just said, no, I'm not going for that. See, mm-hmm. they, see, my thing wasn't so much a black thing, but it was because mm-hmm. I was one of the few black men that was sitting there and not just being a black leader, but a national leader for men. And I was saying protecting womanhood and promoting manhood, duty, honor, obligation, responsibility, accountability, uh, courage, character, bravery. And they didn't want to, why do you have to say that? And why is this about protecting womanhood? Women don't need to be protected. And men, they don't need to be promoted. They need to be suppressed. They're the trouble. No. See, I was going to that. See, it, it was a war. Every time I showed up at the studio, I had a war because they didn't want me to do those things. Mm. That's why we stuck with Judge Judy today. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I was beating her on a regular basis. 
they had a unit where they had a guy named Roger King who uh, discovered Oprah. He came in and brought her and Dr. Phil. He discovered Phil through Oprah, used her as a discovery mechanism. So they gave him Judy and me. He brought in Phil and Oprah. So I was behind everybody, number four. Then I started beating Phil regularly. Then I started beating Oprah all the time. And then I started beating Judy some of the times. And then they changed the way they... Uh, got rated on Judy. It was an option Nielsen gave to the studio. So what happens is if you had a show where somebody taped it, if you made that election, they would count it twice. So she had CBS carrying her on affiliate stations, two in each of the ten top television markets. They call that a duopoly. Even though I was a CBS syndication like her, none of the CBS show uh, stations carried me. Mm. So what was going on is they made the election, so she was getting double the ratings for each station, so she'd get four ratings out of each of the biggest cities instead of just one like I was doing, which made her number one, according to the profit sheets that they sent out to the stockholders, uh, stock which I was getting one, I was a number one moneymaker. But, see, I'm your allotted now somebody that wasn't going with the flow. Uh, I talk about men when they weren't acting like men, but, you know, I'm promoting manhood, but they didn't like that. See, Judy, you know how she does. She just down men, freedom. Oh, yeah. Like, I, oh, I, I just, it's like a dragon lady. She's the ultimate dragon lady. I think I just couldn't do it. <laughs> Yeah, what a little four foot seven inch tall self, you know. Right, right. This is a, this is really a, a nagging dream. I just it's like having Hillary Clinton as president. <laughs> that voice. Oh, oh God. <laughs> you know, and it's funny. I get around. I was just talking to some preachers who were talking about they got invited to a function Hillary gave. So mm-hmm. she had had her security go check all their details out. She'd memorized it. So she was being loud at a function, and Reverend so-and-so, you live at such-and-such address, don't you? Please don't tell everybody in here that, but, yeah, I do. Mm -hmm. We weren't impressed. You know, that was just fronting off. Right. That's silly. I mean, that's interesting. But then they're still trying to push her. I mean, for 2020, I said, my God, please get her a rest. Get over that. (laughs) I, I, I grew up in the 60s. Mm-hmm. I graduated from college in 1969, mm. and she did too. But see, she was president of the Republican Party at her university, all-girls university known as Wesley, and they mm-hmm. were taking her all over the country to campaign for Richard Tricky Dick, I Am Not a Crook Nixon. Now, I was mm. campaigning for Hubert Humphrey. Now, Hubert mm. Humphrey was LBJ's vice president. One of the reasons I was campaigning for Hubert Humphrey was, can you believe that the vice president of the United States had pledged Alpha back in the 30s, an all-black frat, and made it? Hey, he's from Minnesota. Yeah, when they were swinging serious wood, he pledged a black frat and made it. I didn't know that. Wow. So she's supporting Nixon. I'm supporting uh, Humphrey. But, see, that wasn't the bad part. You know, we had... Uh, BSUs, anti-war, SDS, and 
Chicano mm-hmm. rights, Native American rights. She was talking about we all needed to be locked up and put in jail. We didn't like it, love it, or leave it. And then, see, Bernie Sanders was chairman of a core chapter up in Illinois. He'd been arrested several times for leading demonstrations to integrate the Chicago suburbs and the University of Chicago campus. But Hillary, her folk were up there protesting to keep black folk out of the area. That's why they moved to New York. Oh, and to be close to the Goldman Sachs where daddy works, see. <laughs> That's the game. So, I mean, you know, and then Obama appointing those two women that he did for the U.S. Supreme Court, and he didn't put a brother up there, a real brother, to offset that house Negro Clarence Thomas. Or could have gotten a sister or a Native American or something. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I agree with you, Judge. I just get mad. See, nowadays we're so busy trying to be, you know, we belong but then when it's convenient to get our votes, we try to front off like we, you know, we're all down for the cause, you know. Yeah, but like you said, when, it, when the going get tough, people reveal their true colors sooner or later or their true motives for doing what they do or not doing anything. Yeah, you know, I mean, what is it? I don't know. I just get mad these days. I did a lot of things in my life that I didn't have to do that I probably would have been better off financially if I had not have done, but it was all about the cause. You know, uh, my mother always told me to be a man, and my father showed me how to be one. You know, so the family told me what I was supposed to be doing for the people. You know, they were a family that was always race conscious for another uh, number of reasons. And I've always tried to be about that. But I never thought 40-some years ago when they were putting us in jail for doing this, that, and the other, uh, LAPD jacking us up, or FBI snatching me in, wanted to know what you meant when you were talking about black people needed to get free. You know, I never thought that what we were doing and the sacrifices we made would lead to some of these house Negroes trying to run around here being junior grade overseers on a plantation that has no cotton to pick. Wow. You know, that that's really aggravating. I get aggravated, too, when I see how the hood has gone down. You know, all these... Young brothers need to act like men and get this stuff together. You know, if you're going to be a man, you got to have ambition, but the ambition has got to be like those brothers that fought for their freedom, died bloodily, you know, in the Civil War to get slavery over, where it's about, you know, I need to improve my mind. They tried to keep us from learning to read because books have dangerous things in them, and I mean, you can't get anybody to prepare. And then you got a mayor down here talking about the solution to our problems is set up better basketball playing facilities 
and computers to play games on or go out here to John P. Freeman and set up a tennis program to keep them out of trouble at John P. Freeman, which probably has some of the best-behaved black kids in the city. You know, wow. that's insulting. They need education, not any damn distractions. Mm-hmm. Are supposed to bribe somebody to do what they need to do as men? Well, you know, excuse my rant. (laughs) You know, hey. And by the way, thanks for helping me out on that man manifesto thing. You know, it's manpower, man time, man up, do the man thing. You know, they're taking us downhill fast. And, you know, it's always been up to men to pull stuff through when the time was necessary. Well, the time is needful and necessary right now. We've got to save the women from where they've been taking themselves. You know, the world doesn't work when everybody is running around working off of emotion instead of rationality. That's our job. We're the ones that are supposed to find the pass through the mountains, the game trails. And, you know, it's all right, brother, if you want to look at a map and take time to find where you are while your woman's jacking about ask somebody for directions. That's because that's what we used to do. And they right. used to follow along after we told them which way you got to go. See, uh, okay. they like to go shop. That's gathering. We used to hunt, you know. Okay. That's the name of the game. So don't be ashamed to be a man and all this crap about, you know, women are supposed to think like a man and men are supposed to be able to emote like a woman. That is crap. I agree. I, I embrace that. Yes, sir. I, I think... You know, people talk about how, like, for a lot of men, uh, testosterone levels are very.
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.